there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. We've got a really special one today because we're doing something a little bit different. We're we're staying obviously in the food and restaurant lane, but not specifically with one restaurant. My guest today is Josh Fu. He's an incredibly talented photographer who's worked with all kinds of local restaurants such as Au Courant, Sternilla, Modern Love, Block 16. He's worked with national brands like Qdoba, as well as celebrity chefs like Bobby Flay and Shirley Chung. Josh, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's, it's my pleasure. Now, I want to point out as we get started that you are more than a food photographer, that if people would ever want someone to hire for a commercial shoot, family or business portraits, engagement photos, all that stuff, you've got examples of that on your website, which are fantastic. Awesome. But obviously, this is a food show, so we're going to talk yeah. about food. <laughs> and on your website, it, it, in your bio, it says, Josh Fu loves food, and then he loves art. So you have your priorities straight. Like, you are made for this show. Food is the first priority. <laughs> So I kind of want to get into where that love of food comes from. And before you got into photography, you actually went to culinary school and worked as a chef at a couple of local restaurants. Can you kind of tell me about your background in cooking and, and how you got your introduction to food? Yeah. So, um, you know, on my dad's side, they're Chinese and um, they've always owned restaurants. And um, in that culture, too, food is just like a you know, how you say hello, you know, like yeah. in Chinese, it's like, have you eaten? And I think it all just started from that. And, you know, with Asian food, especially, you know, my dad was still in the Philippines until I was probably about seven years old. And um, the only connection I really felt towards my family there was food. And um, even some of it was Americanized Chinese, you know, like crab rangoon was like, I'd eat it like popcorn, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, like food was kind of that bridge that helped me connect to that side of my family, even though I couldn't really, you know, speak with them as much. So, um, from a really young age, you know, I, I, I watched, um, Yan Ken cook, which is like a, it was just neat to see, you know, a Chinese celebrity chef, like in the beginning and the books I read were all Betty Crocker, like huge fan of Betty Crocker cookbooks and like the old photos from there. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's always, I'm always hungry, always, <laughs> always eaten. And, um, yeah, it kind of, it started off with that, I think. My grandma always made, you know, pies from scratch and had little, like, secrets. And my great-grandma was uh, a chef, like, actually, I think it was called Tip Top Cafe. And everyone raved about her gravy. And nobody could figure out how she made it, but they never wasted anything. And I found out that they would make ham, you know, and then they'd make pot roast. And they'd make all of a sudden, they'd take all the juices from that and make a gravy out yes. of it. And I think that was her, like, magic uh -huh. gravy. And so, um, yeah, food's just always been been part of my life and when I got out of high school um you know my dad was like oh you have to be a doctor or a lawyer and my brain doesn't really work in that direction and um I was like well you know I'll go to chef school and um I went to Iowa Western um I'm old so it was before Metro had a program and um I think originally I was gonna go to Minneapolis I think it was Minneapolis they had the Culinary Institute of America mm -hmm. and I talked to kind of like a recruiter you know how they have those things and they're basically like well, we have that program here at Iowa Western now. Like, it's kind of the same thing, you know? And I was like, okay. Because I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but I'd always wanted to do film. Like, be a director, you know, of movies. And photography kind of came later. But even during that time, I'd make weird movies on YouTube or, <laughs> or strange things. So, yeah, that's kind of the food part a little bit. So, kind of... 
take me along that path between, you know, going to culinary school and then I, I think once once you got out of it, you, you know, you actually did work in restaurants. Kind of how did you move from that into, you know, kind of understanding I love food, I want to be involved with food, but maybe working in restaurants isn't necessarily the way that I express that love. Yeah, so, man, I had kind of just a weird life, so <laughs> I... uh I got into food, worked at a couple restaurants, nothing, you know, like Okran or, you know, Boiler Room or anything like that. But, um, you know, when I was in the restaurants, you know, people yell and throw things and the the energy level was intense, you know, working like 12, 14 hours, even like some catering. I did catering and um, sushi and a little bit of everything. Um, But I actually had gotten sick and I couldn't eat a lot of the same stuff like right when I graduated. And at that time, I'm like, well, you know, I got to taste stuff. I got to figure it out. So I ended up working at a, like a health food store um, and they had like, a, you know, a deli and everything. So I started learning about organic food, um, you know, other types of food like raw vegan diets, vegan diets, plant-based stuff, um, just all of it. And that really interested me because it was something different, you know, especially in the Midwest, you know, it's like more like salads and without mm-hmm. the ranch, you know, mm-hmm. which I love ranch, but um, and from that point, I, I played in a lot of bands. Um, I just kind of lived in the house with a bunch of guys that played music and a lot of punk shows and, and metal. And that was kind of my life for a long time. And I think a lot of chefs and people in the food industry kind of share that. I've known a lot of chefs that weren't in bands, you know, like Dave from Yoshitomo's in a band. Um, and so I think from that point, I ended up working, I was cleaning at the veterans hospital cause I was just kind of tired of all that stuff. And at that point, I really wanted to do something involved with art, and I think there was a lot going on in my life at that time, and I was just trying to use that as an outlet, whether it was music or anything, and um, I got a call from my friend Shannon, and I think we just kind of knew each other through mutual people and, like, YouTube, and um, she called me. She was like, hey, like, I had just quit my job that day, and I walked out, and oh, I, was wow. like, I was like, you know what? Like, it was a whole bad, <laughs> bad situation. Not my fault, but I left, and... I get this phone call and she's like, Hey, I work for this show called hoarders. Do you want to like, you know, they're coming through Omaha. Do you want to do <laughs> help with that? And I was like, okay. And I didn't even know what that show was. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, um, okay. You know? And so I helped on set for a couple of days and kind of used that money, um, to kind of start getting equipment. And then my friend Casey did wedding photography. So I started second shooting with her. And then my friend, Jesse Hassler, um, who's, kind of been a mentor through a lot of that um would let me borrow his camera and it just kind of kept working and I never thought I'd do photography though and um I started learning more of that because people would ask me to take pictures you know when Facebook and MySpace were kind of like you know new profile pics um and I started I didn't have anyone to photograph for a long time so I'd take pictures of myself and then I would change my features in Photoshop to look like other people um and it just kind of went from there and then (laughs) One day, um, I started making recipes at home, started taking pictures of food. My friend Jesse, um, he's a producer now and everything, he's like, hey, have you ever thought about doing food photography? And I was like, "Like, that's a thing? Like, people, <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's a thing. He's like, you should do that. And I was like, okay. So I did a couple. And then Issa um, from Modern Love like, hit me up and um, she wanted me to help photograph like for her first, uh, for not her first cookbook. She's done a lot, but... Um, that was kind of like one of the bigger food shoots and just kept tumbling. I don't know. So, yeah, I, I 
in my, in my research, I kind of found that that interaction that you had with Jesse, where he asked you, you know, hey, are you interested in doing food photography? And you were like, uh, what's that? Yeah. In that moment, like, it, it, if you can walk back to that conversation, was that like a was that like a light bulb moment of, hey, I can here's a way that I can merge these two things that I love. I have this love for food. I have this love for content creation, specifically, you know, in creating imagery, whether that's videography or photography, this is a way that I can bring these together. Or in that moment where you're just so stunned <laughs> or it's just like, what, what is this? I think I got really excited because, um, he's the one that helped like book me for the Bobby Flay shoot, like out in New York. And, mm -hmm. um, and that was really fun. Um, I was really nervous. I found out, I think three days before that I had to leave <laughs> and, um, and it was just like, I had done photography before, so I, I first started a lot more in lighting. So it was nice to kind of have a little bit of confidence in that area um, because for that shoot in particular, I had 15 minutes to photograph each dish in between their filming. And that meant, like, moving the lights, putting them back. And then they had two food stylists. They had a propist. I couldn't touch anything. And so I had to direct everybody, like, move that fork by, like, a centimeter. Like, do you? Oh, wow. <laughs> so did that and uh, the whole time looking at Bobby Flay like you know I watched Iron Chef and you know, all these other shows and I was like I can't believe he's like standing right there like it's so weird um but I just kind of got thrown into it so I think I was just constantly excited and I remember being so tired after that shoot but like being really hungry and I found this like <laughs> vegan dim sum place and I ordered so much like the lady was like oh who, are other people joining you I was like no no this <laughs> is just me I'm sure you know yeah yeah and so, yeah, I, yeah, excited would probably be, be the word. And I, I love my favorite thing about food in general and also food photography is, you know, in f the photography realm, it's like creating a story mm -hmm. and food in general is just like something that brings people together and, you know, we're eating. So we're, maybe we're not talking as much or, <laughs> you know, maybe thinking a little bit more. And that's my, that's my favorite part, like being able to, I mean, even day to day when I walk into any place, I always think about where the light's coming in. I'm thinking about, you know, like with a lot of food shoots, um, especially we're kind of setting up more of like a family style dinner. I don't know why, but every time I, I walk into the space, I like to have a little time just to feel it out. And then I'm like, okay, like, you know, did the parents get in an argument this morning? Like, where's the sun at? Like, are the shades open? Is there, you know, I'm trying to think about the story around it, even though the client or whoever isn't, asking for that i have to have a place that i'm feeling you know and um yeah i don't know i'm rambling probably no i, I know i love it I, I i like that idea of where you're you're trying to get like a true sense of the place like because i think how you photograph something might change based on the vibe of the restaurant whether it's supposed to be elegant and upscale or whether you know it's a you know, a block 16 where it's a casual eatery mm -hmm. or, you know, whether you're on a shoot with a celebrity chef like Bobby Flay, like the, the vibe and just, you know, how everything is structured probably alters how you shoot that and the different angles you go from the different mood you try to create in your photos. Right. Yeah. I mean, even angle, you know, I always think about, you know, sometimes I ask a client, like what, who is looking at this food, right? Like, I think about, okay, well, if it's, like, a teenager, you know, it should be shot kind of at this angle. If it's a, you know, a kid, you know, like, what perspective are we going to look at from that point? And because the people that are buying these products are also, you know, visualizing it in the same way, even if it's, like, you know, 
ConAgra foods, you know, showing like like TV dinners and things like that. And I remember what I thought, you know, like I remember <laughs> shelf placement. It's so I'm so weird, but you know, like La Choy, right? Like the canned La Choy, terrible, like lo mein, has a special place in my heart. But you know, that was at like kind of like the lower middle shelf, yep. and I was probably five or six when I had that. And to me, that was Chinese food, being <laughs> you know in a small town. Until my mom started being like, no, that's not. But um, yeah, so it's really it's really about the story. And the two things I love the most in what I do are the people and, you know, and food. And I think that's why I've been so drawn to chefs, like working in kitchens, like I'm obsessed with the noises that are in them. Um, Oddly enough, it's really soothing. You know, there's like a rhythm of the kitchen that just kind of flows around. I love to just stand there and listen. And like even with Ben at Okran, I used to walk, you know, in the back alley and the door was open and, and we didn't really know each other super well. I knew like Tim and I just peeked my head. <laughs> I'm like, can I come and take pictures like during service? He's like, okay. So, um, yeah, it never hurts to ask. That's what I tell my brother all the time. Same in, you know, New York or Japan when we're there, like a lot of times the kitchen doors are open, you know, so I'll go in and sneak or even, um, at the shoot in New York with the Bobby Flay thing, like I had my camera around my neck and I just took pictures of people eating like outside and, there's like this Italian man singing at night and, you know, it was just, it's just a really neat experience and memories that I can also see visually and hopefully help other people form a better understanding of one another um, through that. And I think the storytelling part's the thing I have to remind myself all the time is like, okay, even though you're getting hired to do something like, what is it that, you know, you're trying to tell? What is it that the client's trying to tell? Like, what is that story, I guess? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I love that, you know, you kind of went in that direction because obviously I, that I, that very much resonates with me, that thought of storytelling. That's what this podcast is all about. Like basically everything I do is about telling chef stories because I think that there are these amazing, you know, behind every restaurant, there, there, there are just so many stories behind the person who created the restaurant to the executive chef to the sous chefs, like everyone in there has a unique, cool story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think you do a really good job of doing that. And I even, I found a quote from you online um, where you said, I feel that they have their, excuse me, I feel that they deserve to have their voices heard and show the world how strong we are. I guess just to kind of further what you were just talking about, what makes you so passionate about telling these stories? Like why is that your drive? That's a good question. I don't know. It's just always been in me. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, like, even when I came over here, I didn't speak English. And on the plane, I just talked and talked and talked. And, you know, I remember my mom told me, a guy on the plane goes, can you just make that kid shut up, you know? <laughs> but even, you know, my mom said, I'd be sitting in the grocery cart, and we'd be next to a stranger, and I'd just start asking them about, like, country music. Like, do you listen to country music? Even though I never even listened to it. And I just, I don't know. I think it's just always been in me. I just, I really... I just really, as cheesy it is, I really love people a lot. And I've changed throughout my life and have learned to also be quieter and learn to listen to people. And with photography, especially doing, like, portrait sessions, um, there's, like, this really cool moment that I have where, like, I, I tend to, you know, shoot pretty close to people sometimes. And I've learned that it kind of doesn't leave a lot of room for them to leave. And when I do, like, sessions, depending on what we're doing, um, I tend to do kind of these breathing exercises with people. It kind of just relaxes everything. 
And um, like uh, before, I don't know if you ever went to Caffeine Dreams. Um, it was like this. It was like the stomping ground, like coffee shop, like kind of falling apart. Like right, yeah. <laughs> but I was there every day, and I would edit, and I was trying to work like an editing technique, and um, so I'd just pull my friends aside and take a picture in front of this one wall that they had, and um, that was like kind of the point where I felt this really bizarre moment in between, like the clicking of the camera, like, when I would go to edit, you know, I, I go click, 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 click. I do multiple ones because people blink and everything. And I could always go through and then stop and be like, oh, there you are. Like, I could I could see that person and also feel this moment where it was, like, it was weird. It was, like, but all of our guards were down, and it was just really bizarre, <laughs> but beautiful. And um, I ended up photographing, I think, almost 400 people. And then, like, right when I had almost hit that point, they had closed. And so, luckily, I have, like, all these patrons that, you know, like a lot of the regulars there and their photographs from that. Um, but that's when I really learned that, I don't know, like, we're filled with images all the time and posting. And, you know, everything seems so loud and, and noisy. Like, but it's just, like, those those moments where things kind of die down a little bit and get quiet um, where you, you kind of learn a lot about yourself and like the, the person. And for me, it was just kind of a personal practice of trying to build a better me um, through these interactions and noticing how much I had in common with all these people, you know, whether it's like headshots for a company or doing food, like everyone I meet, there's this like connection that I just appreciate so much. And um, yeah. And so I just try to relate that to everything that I do, I guess, um, even in work. So I think that's so fascinating that y- you talked about that moment where, you know, you're snapping all these shots and, you know, you're going through and trying to choose which one you want to edit and you find the one and you're just like, oh, that's you, where you like somehow understand a person. And while that sounds kind of weird, I also like, as someone who doesn't do photography, but as someone who's like, looked at your photos I can understand where you're coming from with that like there's just there are these images where the person is looking right into the camera where you almost do feel like you're getting to know them somehow like their personality is coming through and there have been and this might sound kind of weird but there have been a number of guests that I've had on that I've met you know for the first time but I've seen them whether it's in the right here right now project and we're going to get to that later or whether it's just, you know, a shoot that you've done with them where I've seen one of those pictures and I feel like I've met them before, even (laughs) though I'm meeting them for the first time. Did it take some time to like develop that sense or was that just kind of something that you had innately that you found when you were going through these pictures, you, you were able to kind of find that moment and capture that moment where you felt like you, you know, grabbed the person's essence almost. Well, in a weird way, I think, you know, I won't get into it, like, fully, but there's a lot of things in my life that I've gone through that was, you know, pretty tough. And I think even during that time, like, at the coffee shop, there were, I had just recently dropped all this weight off of my shoulders and really got to this point where, like, I was just really excited to just be free. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helped. And I think, you know, there's a lot of photographers all over and everyone has their different approach in in so many different ways. And for me, it was just like this weird, like, I don't know. It it was, 
I could be honest with myself. I could be honest with other people. And then I could also maybe use that moment to, even in the conversations, like listen, take some of that burden off of their shoulders. And then I think we just kind of found these moments and whether it's in five minutes or like 20, you know, um, there's always these moments where like, yeah, like I was saying with images, right? Like you see something and people think a certain thing. And a lot of people bring that in. When you put a camera in front of them, they already are thinking about their insecurities. They're thinking about how they're going to look, what their angle is, how, how can you Photoshop me this way? And I'm just like, and I know it sounds probably like cheesy, but I'm like, like you, like the people I'm photographing, like you are so special. Like you are so special. Like there's no one else. You, there's not another you, right? And that's enough. And I think I had fought so long before that, not realizing that about myself that when it kind of hit me, and I'm still learning, when it kind of hit me, I was like, man, I just, I would love someone to even just feel that for a moment, just like drop it, you know? And um, yeah, I think it's just kind of about listening to yourself. And for me going into it, you know, like you see all these other photographers and you could look at it and be like, oh man, I don't shoot like this. I don't do this. I'm irrelevant. I'm, you know, like all, all of that. But I think, um, you know, it's in those moments where it reminds me, I'm like, you know, this is a gift that, this is a tool that I can use to give someone, you know, and then they're going to have that moment, like, when they're, like, 100 years old to be able to be like, oh, that's, that was me at that time, you know, and so, yeah, I don't know, I probably went over. No, no, that was perfect, <laughs> and I think, you know, you talk about giving someone that moment, I think that that's something that you are doing so well right now with the Right Here, Right Now project, which I'm going to give you a chance to describe more eloquently than I can, but it, it's kind of a both a video and photography essay into kind of restaurants, restaurateurs, uh, coffee shop owners, local business owners who, you know, have are going through a lot during the pandemic right now. And you've kind of gotten a chance to, to tell those stories. Can you just kind of lay out what the Right Here, Right Now project is and what you're trying to convey with that? Yeah, so the, that project actually was started with um, me and my friend Lauren Abel. So we both are kind of like the, the co-creators of that, um, which is weird to say creators because everyone <laughs> is kind of doing it. But, um, yeah, Lauren does the video work. Um, she does, like, all the video stuff, editing, which is crazy. Um, but it really started – we went to Archetype Coffee, Little Bohemia, which I'm there every single day. Um, awesome place. Yeah, I love it. Um we were getting coffee, and I brought my camera just to kind of take pictures of, you know, some of the signs, and it was just kind of a surreal experience. The whole city felt really different, you know? And so I was like, we started chatting. I, I was kind of taking pictures, and um, and then I saw one of the construction workers, like, they were working, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I walked up to him, like, hey, I was just wondering, like, if I could take your photo um, just to take your picture, and he's like, well, why? You know, we started talking, and, and then, um, you know, Lauren took out her phone to start – recording. I was like, is it okay if I just ask you some questions? And kind of started from there. And then it just kind of kept evolving. And I was like, you know, and Lauren's like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, get shots, like video stuff. So we got that together. And then we just kind of went and walked around in the beginning and just was like, hey, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk? And um, the first restaurant that we went to was um, Boiler Room. And we kind of, you know, I remember walking around the corner looking inside, you know, they're all kind of down there, and they waved us in, and I was just like, are you, you know, how are you all doing? Are you okay? And they're like, 
you know, we're saying our goodbyes to everybody right now. We're closing up, like kind of, you know, signing the last checks. And it was just so, yeah, surreal is probably the only thing I can really think of. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, like, my response is always just getting a camera and <laughs> taking pictures, you know. I don't know if it's, like, a disassociative thing or what, but um, I was like, hey, do you guys mind if I just, you know, take pictures? And um, and we're like, okay. And we kind of had a little fun with it, too. Like, I was supposed to photograph um, Terrence for the Wine Enthusiast magazine anyway, and so, and he had, like, a suit there. I was like, hey, well, we might as well just take those pictures and and then they had all this rubble out in the front, and he had his wine with him, and um, he stood up on there and just threw his glass of wine. That was such a cool shot. That, yeah, that was all Terrence. He's great. But, um, yeah, it was just uh, – it just kind of kept evolving from there. And then um, once we started kind of sharing the stories, um, people started to, you know, contact us too and because we were like, hey, who wants to talk, basically? Um, but, yeah, so – Eventually, uh, my brother Sam joined up um, as a line producer, and then now he does, like, some cinematography, too. And then Jesse Hassler, our old friend who Lauren and I had a connection to a long time ago, um, he, we just needed help. I mean, we did 70 interviews in 14 days. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm telling you, like, if you could see, I think we might do a behind-the-scenes um, thing, but if you could see, there's a lot of stuff that everybody... <laughs> went through in that time just probably like everyone else but man like at that time I was transcribing everything so I would listen to the interviews you know play pause play pause oh my and gosh, write everything I down imagine that. like word for word and I am not a writer like my grammars I just downloaded Grammarly I was like I don't know hopefully this will work and um so we we're doing that which took me I think three to four hours each interview and then yeah just editing the video stuff editing the pictures, and then trying to get them out as as fast as we could, which we struggled a little bit. Um, my other brother, Nathan's a writer, so he actually jumped in on a couple and helped. But, yeah, so it just kind of evolved, and we're still going with it. And yeah. So just intuitively, it seems like, you know, if you're a restaurant owner or a restaurant worker and your business is closing either temporarily or, you know, full-time, like, that was – you know, it, it's a rough time now, but especially when this project started back in March and April and May, like, and there was even more uncertainty back then, that's just such a mental burden on those people not knowing what's going on. Like, intuitively, it seems like the last thing they would want is someone documenting that. Like, this is my, this is my struggle. This might be my lowest point in my life. I don't want to remember this, but it almost feels like it was kind of a, cathartic experience for a lot of people at least you know from from what I've seen and read did you kind of find that that people there was a lot of pain and there was a lot of hurt but people really kind of wanted to get it off their chest and they wanted to tell their story yeah definitely I mean you know especially in the beginning I think people just needed to talk you know they needed to just say what was on their mind and um, you know I'm incredibly grateful that they trusted us to be able to you know, document that, because um, it is really, you know, we cried too, like, especially when we went back to edit, like, we'd be bawling, we're like, <laughs> you know, a total mess, and we're tired, we didn't sleep for like 24 hours, like, um, but yeah, just, I think it's because there was a shared, there was a shared experience too, like, everybody was kind of almost mourning the, the old, I'll call it the old world, mm-hmm. um, and kind of trying to figure out how to navigate this new one, and it was just, uh, for me, it was more of just sitting with 
people and just letting them kind of speak and get it out. And, you know, it was therapeutic, I think, for all of us because we shared the conversation, you know, and that's really all it was, was just getting it off your chest. And um, it's been interesting as it's been going, you know, there's so many, I mean, there's so much more to the story too the out there, like even, you know, with evictions and, um, you know, especially with like the Native American community, how it's affected them. And th- we're trying to like do as much as we can and, and reach out um, to all areas. But the, e- the, the one that was m- the most approachable is the restaurants because I've had good relationships with a lot of, a lot of those people. And so um, that kind of helped. And then I think when people saw it, they kind of already understood maybe what we were doing. And um, the people that reached out, I think it's the same thing. They just needed to get something off their chest and, I also think it's just so important, like, even with the coffee shop thing at Caffeine Dreams, like, it's just so neat to be able to look back and be like, that's where I was, but I made it through and I'm here now, you know? And if if not, like, even just people seeing it, their story, if they need help, but it might be hard for them to ask for it, um, other people can know. And that was the most amazing thing, especially about the service industry, was I, I personally feel, you know, even working in it, that the service industry gets they don't they don't always get the respect they deserve especially like servers you know the people that are um you know dishwashers like it's a whole it's a whole story it's a whole family making all this work to give you what's on this plate right but they were the first to go out that i saw like at least you know in the community where i'm at like they went out and started feeding people they got things like glenn wheeler like danny lyon um and there's a lot, a lot of people, even Interrail, like, um, and pulled through, and they're still doing that. And that was awesome. Like, that's that's a part where, like, I wasn't necessarily, like, hopeless. You know, I, I, I trust, you know, that Midwest ethic and, and everything, but it was just so beautiful to see people come together to do that, you know. So that's kind of what kept us going, too, and just having these conversations. And Obviously, it's sad when places close, you know, but I think... There's also been other outlets. Like, I've seen places close, and then they start, like, a new thing or whatever. So, yeah, we're just kind of there to go along the ride and be like, if you want to say what's on your mind, we're here. So, yeah. Are there any stories that particularly resonated with you, whether it was a particularly emotional shoot or the shoot went really well or maybe it was a business owner that was really struggling and now, you know, they – they crawled through, they made it out the other side, now they're doing better. Are, are there any stories that, like, just pop to the front of your mind where, like, man, I remember that day so well? Yeah, there's, I mean, you know, all of them have their different kind of, like, you know, everybody has their own different story. Like, some of the ones that really struck me, like, especially, like, you know, Boiler Room being the first place and kind of experiencing that was just, you know, a totally different experience. Like, when I go into restaurants you know, it's busy, and there's noise, and people are running around, and they're making things, and, like, it was just, it was just, yeah, like I said, surreal, <laughs> surreal experience. Um, you know, I had a good, good conversations with, um, you know, the crew at Le Bouillon, um, and, you know, the Kathmandu Momo Station, like, Sagar, like, had good conversations with them, but Honestly, the thing I can remember, it's a total bummer, but um, my dog actually passed away, like, through this pandemic, and it was, like, very quick. I, like, had no idea, and then having to navigate, like, oh, well, you know, there's no way he's, you know, we'd have to put him to sleep, and then we couldn't go in, and so we had to figure all these things out, and 
Um, we ended up going to Scatterjoy Acres and doing a shoot there, and they're like this amazing like animal sanctuary. And um, it, we interviewed Joy and Angie and Tim there, and this dog just kept like sleeping underneath this like tripod <laughs> of ours. And then we drove all the way up with you know to go see these horses, and he like ran all the way up there. I was like, man, their dog's awesome because you know I thought it was like the owners, and you know we ended up going for another interview, and I see him there, and I'm like, is this your is this your dog? And she's like, no, he's up for adoption. And I was like, oh, okay. So I actually ended up adopting. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah. His name's Dozier. He was actually at um, like a kill shelter in Arkansas and um, he made his way up to Omaha and now he's at my house and I love him. And so that for me personally, that was like a good, like, you know, and now when I look at the footage from there, I see him running around before I even, you know, saw him. So um, it's just kind of neat how that all <laughs> played together and, and stuff. So I got a new family member out of it. But, um, yeah, man, I there's so many interviews. I'm just like, you know, there's a lot of good quotes, too, you know, things that really helped us. Um, like Ken uh, from Java Daddies, we, he said this one line where he's like, you either get bitter or you get better. And I remember just thinking, like, you know, we'd be editing, and we're like, we have so much to do. We have, like, all this stuff. We're not going to get it down. And it's like, well, and people are probably wanting their stories, and I'm, you know. And I was like, well, you either get bitter or you get better. You know, another thing, too, um, Chris Stout Hazard uh, from Chris and Roger, they have a store in Dundee. Like, he had – this one really kind of helped me check myself a little bit because um, there's so much going on in the news and media and, and everything. And he just said um, – Basically, I'm probably paraphrasing, but he's like, my diet does not consist of dread and woe. And I was like, that's so true. Because whatever you feed yourself, you spout out, right? It's like, what, the, from the heart, speak at the mouth. And um, that, <clears throat> even today, you know, even now, like, I'm just always thinking about whatever you're feeding yourself is how you're going to feel. It's going to be kind of like the way you start to view the world. And so I'm like, I'm just going to feed myself and surround myself with good people and also just try to be available to help, you know, any way that I can. And so, yeah, there's a lot of – it's weird because the project's almost like a blur, too, because we're still going through everything now. And um, But, yeah, we had a good interview recently with um, Dewan uh, Hayes. It's, uh, they're running for mayor. And so um, they're also part of Noise, which is, like, um, an amazing, like, news organization. So – yeah, we're just keeping it going. It's going to evolve into the future. I'm excited about, you know, potentially having a, some sort of a showing of more, you know, so people can see more of what the interviews had. And it's a lot of work, a lot of work for <laughs> people, but we were lucky to have support, too, from the community that kind of helped a little bit and actually a lot of it. So yeah. So keep us going. So uh, I, I got one more question about right here right now, and then we'll get back into lighter stuff like taking yeah. pictures of food. But, yeah. <laughs> but like – what do you see as the culmination of this project? Is it like, is it a giant documentary? Is it just something, you know, where you have these individual stories that you can share with these people? So like you said, you know, they have that snapshot moment of here's where I was right, right then and there kind of what, what's like the overarching goal or maybe that it's something you're just figuring out as you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it's still continuing. Well, we have talked about doing a documentary, um, it, it would maybe be more food-focused um, with restaurants just because a lot of what we did was um, kind of revolving around that. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I, for me personally, I think it would be really nice to be able to have, like, a book 
of, you know, even the photography that's in it and all of the stories, just so people can have that. Um, I'll have to figure that all out. I know <laughs> the cost-wise it's probably really expensive, but we'll figure it out. And, um, you know, Lauren, Lauren and I have talked about a documentary. It's kind of always been kind of an idea. Um, but we'll, we're just kind of, you know, with all the changes, everything going on, we're just kind of like, okay, you know, we're always trying to keep busy. So I'm sure that will keep us very busy if we, if we do it. But that or um, we've even thought about just doing a show, honestly. Like, it would be nice if places, you know, everything was a little bit better and we could have more people in. But trying to figure out what that would look like maybe um, with kind of the accumulation of everything. So Labuyan had talked to us. They're like, hey, if you want to show, have a show at the restaurant, if you do a documentary, we'll get food and we'll do all this stuff once all this is over. And I was like, that's what that's what I want is no mass, everyone's better, <laughs> dream world, you know. like Someday. A bunch of food. Yeah. We have to believe that we'll get there someday. Yeah, yeah. No. We will. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a hard left turn here, and cool. we're gonna we're gonna go back into you know some lighter topics. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm just so interested getting back into like the food photography. You know, you mentioned this isn't something that you had really seen yourself doing um, mm-hmm. originally, and then you know you kind of talked about that Bobby Flay shoot, how you had like 15 minutes to take <laughs> photos of each plate. Now I think. The the common person who has not done food photography would say, "Oh, fifteen minutes—that's a ton of time. That like that's all the time in the world. I could do it in fifteen seconds." But I don't think people understand just how much goes into it. And you talked about moving the fork, you know, half an inch, or you know, getting the angle exactly right, setting up the lighting. Like, what kind of crash course did you have to put yourself through when you first started doing food photography to, to figure out what this was and how like professionals do it versus someone comes and puts a plate in front of me, I'd take out my cell phone and <laughs> snap a picture. Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I never went to school for photography. I just kind of, it's maybe more instinctual. I'm not a technical person. Um, but my thing was, is really just studying the light because I realized how much lighting really affects something. But when you're doing a shoot that's like eight hours, you know, 10 hours long, you use, you know, you use strobe lighting. And so I was like, okay, well, I really need to get really down with, you know, artificial lighting. And so kind of getting to this point where, like, no one can really – you can kind of tell when there's natural lighting, but I was happy to kind of get to a point where, like, I could do that and people had no idea. Um, but that took time, and it's still – I mean, I'm still learning all the time, like, different light modifiers or – you know, I'm like, well, I want it to feel like this, like, eight-foot window in, like, a Venetian – house like you know i'm like okay well i'll use this like giant umbrella or i'll do you know a smaller light if i want it to just kind of hit the table a little bit um and then you have reflectors like little white bounce cards and you know and the the gear that i shoot with is nothing you know it's not like billions of dollars or whatever I'm j- i just look at okay this is how much light comes out okay you know do this and i have my bad days i'm sure like <laughs> you know where i'm like ah can't get it right but Honestly, doing wedding photography really helped with the lighting because we would do these receptions where, like, I remember I had to do a shoot at the Jocelyn. Have you, you know, like the Jocelyn mm-hmm. Museum? Yeah. And um, the walls were this peach, you know, there's this peach marble that goes all the way around. And in the skylight, it, there's just, like, windows. So a lot of photographers will bounce their light at the ceiling, you know, and, and, and illuminate it. And I was like, oh, that's not going to work because it's going to go straight through the roof. And so I had to find a way to bend the light around everybody. So I had, like, three different light sources hitting the walls around so it wouldn't blind people, too. Oh, wow. 
and I don't know how I figured that out, but that's what I, it's all accidental, I think, you know, in hit or miss, and you just keep learning and, and everything. But, yeah, I guess even for businesses, you know, like you can do a lot with a cell phone now, you know, just kind of knowing, like find a good window, you know, maybe bounce the light back. But I think that was kind of the hard thing, especially in the Midwest. Like if I work on the coast, people kind of understand the time it takes for that, or especially with food styling, like, man, like Jess from Block 16 is a food stylist, um, worked with her a lot, and it's just awesome to, like, watch her work, and Sarah Jane Hunt, and uh, Lauren Lee, I haven't worked with them yet, might be working with the other Sarah coming up, but just watching that, and then being able to just walk in and set up my lighting properly, and then I'm like, okay, this is like, I don't have to touch <laughs> burgers, because I did some food styling in the beginning, I had, like, this, like, hardware box, like, toolbox that I'd bring, but I'm definitely not a food stylist. And um, so there, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and I think through the pandemic, too, like, you know, things definitely changed, like, work-wise, like, especially with travel and stuff. And I've just been finding a way where, because now, like, it helps to have so much social, you know, like, content. And I'm like, okay, well, how can I work better with the restaurants with the budgets they have now to be able to, like, you know, still, you know, get paid what I need to to do the job, but also where it's not going to break the bank for them. And with that, it's just like, you know, you could just send your pricing, but well, that's what's going to cost. But I just love it so much that I think that kind of <laughs> balances it out. I'm like, what do you, okay, just tell me what you need. Like, we'll, we'll work it out somehow. But yeah, I mean, for bigger food shoots, like, you should, you should come along and just check it out sometime and, you I know, see, yeah, it'd be, interesting you know there's a lot i i when i got into it, i had no idea like i was like what is this what's a food stylist like why are you putting sponges and like you know mashed potatoes um but it when you see it it's you know it's fun so okay so wait i i, I was gonna ask you about this and you just teed it up perfectly like cool. kind of talk to us about the role of you know the food stylist working with the photographer because i think a lot of people when they think of food photography or they see, you know, a food photo shoot, they think the photographer is coming in, they're adjusting the scene, they're setting all the food up, they're doing everything. And maybe that's the case at some of your shoots. I don't know. But I mean, you, you tell me like, is that how it usually goes? Or like, what is the role of a food style? Just kind of how does the setup work? Yeah. So, um, Man, it's just great to have a food stylist. I, you know, it always depends on people's budgets and things like that. Usually I'll work with a food stylist for, like, bigger companies um, and some, you know, some local restaurants, too. When it when it comes to, like, more local stuff, I'll usually just work directly with the chef and, um, you know, kind of let them know, like, okay, you know, if you're going to do a burger, you know, I need that separate from this. I need this. I need I, – I almost have it down to, like, <laughs> like, the timing of – if I have to shoot, like, a drink with real ice – for example, like food styles have all these different types of ice that they'll use. And um, it's like, you know, like acrylic ice sometimes. Yeah. And, um, you know, but when I have to shoot, like I did a shoot in Des Moines for a hotel and um, they, you know, didn't have a stylist on the shoot. And I was like, okay, they brought the drink out and in my head. I'm like, I have 20 seconds to, you know, 20 seconds to maybe a minute before I'm going to notice this weird water line at the top of it because the temperature in that hotel was like warmer than it was in the other room or just weird nerdy things like that. And, um, but a food stylist, you know, they, they go in and just work it and, you know, like you'll see the back of a burger, <laughs> there's like sponges and like toothpicks and the front of it just looks 
gorgeous. Immaculate. Yeah, yeah. And it really does, you know, people eat with their eyes. And we're just constantly throwing images, right, like of food. And that's probably why I eat so much because I'm like, oh, that looks good. That looks <laughs> it good. Looks that so looks so good, good. Yeah. That looks good, you know. And um, and so it really it really helps. And, um, you know, it definitely can benefit companies, like, to to be able to, like, utilize that in a way. But I'm also for, like, kind of helping, you know, especially local restaurants, like, kind of helping them where I'm like, hey, I know that you might not be able to hire me, like, every month or whatever, but these are some things that you can do, you know, like, while I'm on the show, I'm like, well, this window's really nice, and you can kind of do this thing if you just need some, but and then let me know if you need, you know, like, a menu shoot or whatever. So um, kind of, like, helping educate people, too um, is kind of nice, so... Uh, yeah, I'm a terrible teacher, though. I'm very sporadic, so I probably won't be doing full-on teaching. But. Well, like you talked about, a lot of it, I think you just kind of have to learn by doing. Maybe it's not even something that needs to be taught, but it can be kind <laughs> of innate. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I love the idea, you know, that you kind of talked about of the importance of food photography. And this is something that I've learned more and more over the last couple of years is I, I started doing all this, you know, writing a food blog and I still have a website where I write restaurant reviews. Mm-hmm. I can write the most beautiful, eloquent reviews and it won't get near the response or near the interaction as if I post like one beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. And I've really started to place a lot more importance on pictures and not just like snapping something quick as soon as a plate arrives and then moving on, but trying to be intentional about if I can make this plate of food look as beautiful as possible, that's going to entice more people to come here versus just saying the food was excellent or even eloquently describing the flavors. And Mm -hmm. I want to give an example of this is you actually reached out to me a couple weeks ago and you had just come off a shoot at a place called uh, Shahi Indian. um, yeah. uh, Yeah. Shahi Indian downtown Omaha. And you said, hey, have you ever heard of this place? Like, I just did a photo shoot here. The food's really good. And I was like, oh, no, you know, I've never never heard of that. So I, I Googled it, and I, I looked at their website, and I was like, oh, you know, this this looks solid. But yeah, nothing really made it stand out to me just from the website, from the description of the dishes or anything like that. And then about a week or two later, on your Instagram account, you posted pictures from there. And I remember I grabbed my wife and I was like, Sarah, look at how good this looks. Like, we got to go try this. And, I mean, that was the difference between reading about those dishes and then seeing them so beautifully. Like, the the difference is incredible. Like, does that – responsibility is not the right word, but, like, maybe pow- power? I, I don't know what the word is, but, like, does that does that ever hit you? Just, like, the impact that you can make with those images can – it can make the difference between somebody saying, I'm not really interested in this to I have to go here. Like that's, that's so cool. I never really thought about that. (laughs) To be honest, now I feel like, Oh no, there's a lot that goes into it. But for me, you know, like even with the, with those photos, like um, on my personal account, it's nice. I guess it's business account too, but I like to show um, like a portrait of the owner also. And um, also the, and the food. And um, I think those kind of work hand in hand. And so for me, it's kind of almost like me introducing people is kind of how I look at it, where it's like, hey, this is the owner. They do, like, you know, northern Indian food. Like, um, try it out for yourself. Like, I'm I'm not really, the like, I don't know. I'm not like, hey, you have to, this is, like, the best necessarily. But, um, 
Yeah, I, I leave that up to the pros, you know. Um, but it's more like, for me, it's really the person, to be honest with you. I've eaten at some places where the food is like, eh, you know, oh, okay. And I have people like, Josh, you post about this place all the time. I went there, it was like a terrible meal. And I'm like, okay, that's like, I'm sorry, but like, I've had good meals there, you know. And for me, it's like the the person where I'm like, this. I see how hard they work. And even though you might not understand like that, you know, it's like these dumplings come from this area, and they're going to be greasy, you know, because that's how they make them with, like, you know, chili oil and like all raw garlic. Like, somebody <laughs> mentioned, like, dude, they put all this raw garlic on it. They didn't even cook it. I was like, well, that's how they serve it, you know. So some of it, it's kind of like I look at, it like, when you go to someone's house to eat, right, and it's like it might not be like this, you know, <laughs> Michelin star meal. But it's, you know, like it's like a meatloaf or, you know, like you're not going to. I don't know. The, my approach is maybe a little different. It's like, here's the person. This is what they make. You let, you do it. You check it out and tell me what you think. Um, but for that shoot, man, like, w- like she let us have all the food from from <laughs> what was there. And Indian food, like, gets better when you, like, let it. Like, I love Indian food even after the next day after in the fridge. I'll eat that. But, man, I, I really liked it. And it was, like, spi- I love spicy food. And, um, yeah, it was really good. I was like, this is, this is a good place, especially for lunch, you know. And, um yeah, it, it's it's just fun. I don't know. <laughs> okay, uh, we're we're running up against it on time, but I've got at least one more question that I have to ask you about here, and that is, you got a chance to work a couple of years ago with Chef Shirley Chung, oh, yeah. who is, I mean, I've never met her or anything, but she's been on two seasons of Top Chef, which my wife and I are obsessed with, and we love her. She's just like <laughs> so awesome on that show. And again, you know, we don't know her in any way, but she seems like such a cool person and someone that would be so fun to meet. And she did a dinner um, a couple of years in a couple of years ago in Omaha. I believe it was at the boiler room. That's where the photos were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So just, I guess, just open-ended question. Like, what was that experience like getting to work with someone on that level? And, and what was she like? Honestly, she reminded me of my aunt. Like, I, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. And, um, you know, that big Omaha was going on, and, and she had been asked to come up and do this dinner, and that's kind of how I kind of got in there. And she's super, like, nice, you know, super, like, really personable. We had really good chats about, you know, Chinese food and um, kind of some of the projects that she was starting. And, um, yeah, we just had a really good time. I actually have a couple pictures. There's one where, like, uh, it was really cold, actually, that day. And <laughs> she, like, had this tear going down just because it was cold. <laughs> and I took it, and we were laughing because it looked so dramatic. Like, she's, like, looking off in the distance. She has this tear. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, like, it's I'm a huge fan of Top Chef. So I was, like, like really nervous. And I think it helped having Tim there. But um, she made me, you know, like, this vegan meal, and it was really awesome. And um, and Tim made food, too. Um, but, yeah, the – her and then um, Chef 2 David Fu. Like yep, from s- season 15. Yeah, yeah, Kane did a dinner with him. And so, um, yeah, I got to hang out with him and um, take some pictures. And we keep in good contact with each other. So I just nerd out, though. Like, I get really embarrassed. <laughs> I try to play it cool, but I'm like, I'll take some pictures of you, you know. But I don't even know how I'd be able to handle that. I just, <laughs> I just realized yesterday that – Joe Sasto, who is on season fifteen, he yeah. he and he's my favorite competitor. He and I almost share the same birthday. We're one day off, and I about lost it. So I can't even <laughs> imagine like meeting these people and getting a chance to talk with them. But uh, 
yeah, it's fun. I mean, they're just, you know. They're just people. They're just I, people. I know, like, I know that yeah, intellectually, yeah. but then, like, I think if I would run into them, I'd be like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, like, especially Shirley, because, like I said, I'm a huge fan, and I was like, okay, like, Shirley Chung's going to be here. I was, like, freaking <laughs> yeah. out, and, you know, and so, um, but, like, they're just, it's the same, though. Like, they share the same passion for food, you know, especially, like, too. He, like, a lot of his food, you know, is doing this Vietnamese, you know, cooking, like, home cooking that he does, and teaching now like doing a lot of teaching so yes kind of same same vibe Mm -hmm. cool people all right i'll get you out of here on this one um you mentioned to me that you're you're working on a a documentary project with kana atkison and and kano you're also kind of working on um, a project with david utterback of yoshitomo you've obviously got right here right now going you're doing individual uh you know shoots for restaurants still doing you know and this is just all the food related stuff you do other stuff like you mentioned weddings and Mm -hmm. things of that nature as well just kind of what's what's coming up for you next like what's what's the big thing on on josh foo's horizon right now man that's a i don't know and i kind of like it um you know stay mobile yeah last year was kind of a crazy ride and i'm just kind of feeling out where this year is going to take me and um but yeah you know like my brother Sam's been doing a lot of video work now and um, kind of on his own. Like, And the thing we love to do the most is like just go into restaurants on our days off and just start filming. And luckily, a lot of people, it's not weird to them anymore. They're like, oh, it's them. Like, um, and so it's been really awesome watching him doing stuff now because he was not a food person. So it's just been fun to watch him partake in that. But, um, you know, Kane's documentary, like, um, we've been kind of working on that. I actually just talked with him uh, yesterday um, at Jesus' pop-up, which was Oh, those tamales. Dude, I'm ta- like, his food is good. And those beans, I keep talking about those beans. I don't know what he did to those beans, but it, they were fantastic. So, But, um, yeah, I talked to Kane, um, and we're going to you know start filming and doing more things. And, yeah, we just, we've been following him around. We didn't even know each other when we started that. Oh, really? We hopped on a plane to San Francisco. We didn't really know each other, and then we ended up becoming, like, super good friends. Um, him and his brothers and, and stuff, so, and family. But... Yeah, all of those things I'm just trying to work on. And then also business-wise, I'm just – I moved into a new studio space, and um, that's been nice to be able to have people come in and do individual portraits, like a lot of headshots and things like that. So kind of working more – trying to do more business stuff. And we also started an online store called Yearland during this whole thing too because I have a shopping habit, and I have to sell things now. Oh, you're so lazy. Just nothing going on in yeah, your life. It's I know. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Yeah, I have a love for antique cookware and i i've because of well my excuse was food shoots but i've collected so much and i was going to donate it and lauren uh the cinematographer right right now she's like you need to sell this stuff because it's good and i'm like okay so we have like 500 items that i just <laughs> photographed and i bought some more today so well there you go people you you, you can you can go <laughs> read the right or, or read watch whatever you want to do the right here right now stories you can just see josh's uh, work on his website, which is joshuafoo.com. Excuse me. You can go buy some antique cookware if <laughs> you want to from his Instagram. <laughs> There's so many options. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about the projects, talking about the people, and talking about food photography. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it as well. And I also appreciate you, Omaha. Thanks as always for eating with us. A Media Production.